Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by an old friend, Mark Thomas, who's now VP of Customer Success at Rotogeek. Hi, Mark. Hi, Simon. How are you? Yeah, good. We were just talking, weren't we, offline about how long it was since we've actually seen each other and hopefully we'll change that soon and, and meet up in a couple of months. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Make See, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we, we recorded uh, with Oliver Banks a, a webinar on the Foundation's to recruit a flexible workforce on the the 18th of February and hopefully we'll have a link in the show notes so people can can watch that and we're just in this episode going to reflect on some of the things we talked about I've kind of been thinking about it since and it's made me question a few things before we get into the detail be good to find out about you Mark just give us a bit of a career background of how you got into workforce management some of the things you've done absolutely great thanks yeah so I start at the end. I, I'm I'm I'm, at, uh, I'm now VP of Customer Success at, at Road to Geek, and I I have uh, full responsibility and ownership for pretty much everything post sale. So that includes the implementation, the ongoing success of our customers, our support offering, uh, and and working with the product and sales team to make sure that keeps going. Prior to that, I had uh, a couple of big chunks of time. Um, I was leading the customer success team for for uh, the world's largest workforce management company, and we all know who who they are. Uh, prior to that, I was with a, another startup, which was uh, Workplace Systems. Back in the day, they've um, been swallowed up now by the Americans, um, and I spent a lot of time there in solution design, product, uh, and um, and pre sales. And, and prior to that, uh, pretty much a lifetime in hospitality and retail. So. Still got the still got the scars of, of of trying to do schedules on the on the back of postage stamps and manage availability through through little bit little black books stuck under the till. So yeah, and it, it's a it's a great field. Thoroughly enjoying it. Been been in the field now for nearly twenty years. Excellent, and it, it's evolved in that time, hasn't it? As as all software has, from big on premise, hundreds of days to deploy and configure, through to much easier, more accessible uh, software as a solution. Um, deployments that make it quicker to get your return on investment, quicker to get your deployment done, and clearly you keep on track of all the the software enhancements and changes that come through as your technology moves on. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. If I if I think my first, I think the first implementation I, I worked on, I, I mean, I won't say who it was, but that, I mean, it took eighteen months to get stood up, uh, and now at Rotogeek, we're getting customers live scheduling time and attendance in as little as six weeks. It's absolutely remarkable change, and of course the, the the whole product strategy. You know, here at Rotogeek, we are we are you know incredibly agile, so we're, we are updating almost daily, zero downtime. Whereas I, I'm sure you remember, your system will be offline for the next two days while we put in the bug fix, and now it's just this constant stream of of new information, and it's it's making sure our customers are staying up to date with that, and making sure they they're, they're using the best of it. Yeah, uh, it it brings different challenges doesn't it then of not big batch releases with notes if there's constant change but um yeah we'll we'll come we'll come back to some of the work you're doing at road to geek before we close but let's just turn our minds to the kind of flexible workforce debate that we're having the one thing or one of the things i came away from the conversation was that we probably didn't touch on was just the word flexibility i think yeah 
historically for for a colleague so if we put ourselves in the shoes of a colleague let's say on the shop floor in one of the many supermarkets that we all use if if the manager comes up and says i want you to be more flexible i probably start to think oh he wants me to work be available every day maybe work a lot later maybe work on weekends if i didn't so it's this whole 24 7 um always available that starts to flash through your mind where actually you know we we both see lots of schedules in our work across a year I don't think it's as dramatic as that does that make sense does that resonate yeah I I think I hear where you're coming from the the work's still there the work still needs to be done what we've got is we've got a lot better at predicting when that work's going to be and we and you know now we understand that you know it's not a nine to five you know that that replen isn't always 10.30 till till 12.30. It's sometimes it's nine, you know, it's an hour move, you know, there's that shift in it. And it's it's just asking the colleagues, our, our team members, our staff, to, to just to be able to, to alter slightly what their work patterns are. And I think we put too much emphasis into it, as you said, and, and it comes across as being almost a daunting task, and it isn't. It's a lot of the time, it's just small increments. Yeah, because there's some work, let you say, that you can move. So there's a choice to when you put stock out in the day or don't, as it may, as it may be, or overnight even. Yeah. But clearly, anything that's customer-related, you can't say to the customer, oh, sorry, uh, you weren't due to come until half past 10. <laughs> yeah, come back in half an hour because we're not staffed up to it. So, yeah, I think there's been a real evolution, maybe even revolution, in people understanding the work content. Clearly, some of the stuff we go out and measure for people, help them to understand massively impacted by corona massively impacted then by the rise in depending on your sector delivery uber eats uh, that fulfill from store so again the demands are changing but i think people are a lot smarter at ultimately in any store whether you're open nine till five eight till eight 24 7 there's a rump of work that needs to be done and there's a rump of people to do that work so it it's much more marginal now i think than these wholesale changes the people only working monday to friday yep still some and you're probably going to need some but much more expansive across seven days of the week but rather than wholesale change it's an hour either side or actually working a morning on a different day of the week rather than this be available any time of the day yeah ab- absolutely and and in with that word flexibility that that we have to look at the modern workforce that our, our colleagues want more flexibility they you know the old days of working Monday to Friday, nine to five, don't don't suit the modern workforce. They want Monday morning off, so they're quite happy to give up Sunday afternoon to pick that back up and and be be able to have that. It's not the work life balance, is it? I think that's a bit that's been a bit that's becoming a bit jaded. It's that kind of work life blend. So when we talk flexibility, we have to talk talk about it from both aspects. You know, it's not flexibility just to suit the benefit to benefit the business it's flexibility to to make ourselves more attractive employers you know more of aiming for that that sort of employer of choice piece so it's it's being flexible on what on on our expectation rather than just expecting all of it to come from the from the team yeah and on, on the webinar we talked about all those working across store opportunities shift swap shift bid all all the things that tend to be in the the mobile apps now for workforce management as well as actually if you are 
less flexible than somebody else as an individual that might that may mean that you need to be trained to do some different tasks in the store so back to multi-skilling i can't change my hours because of healthcare commitments work commitments you know elderly parent commitments whatever it might be and i think employees again appreciate that now more than ever but what that might mean for that individual is well, we don't actually need you on the tills anymore. So we need to train you to do some specialist counter work, to work in the cash office, to do more replen. So there's there's different ways to to crack the problem. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and you know, and, and you see it as well as I do. That we go we we go into a retailer, and they still you know, there's a few retailers out there. They still have the a large portion of their their workforce that only does one job. Yet they can't get the cover when they need it to do some of the, the smaller roles um, or, or in fact, I mean, cashiers are always classic, aren't they? I've, I've got nine cashiers available today, but I've only got six tills. What do I do with the other three? You know, I've got a contractual fulfillment. And if we're, you know, if we're making the effort to cross train them and we know cross trained staff stay longer, they're, they're more engaged. They see more of the business and they get to see the consequence of the work they're doing. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's flexibility is a, a broad brush. Yep. And it's interesting as well. Again, if you think across our UK supermarkets, there's probably two, maybe even only one now that is still operating a butcher's counter, a deli counter, uh, a bakery with a, a proper baker in there. So again, the, that workforce has become de-skilled because we don't need a specialist role, butcher, baker, fishmonger, etc. So there's more opportunity to, to, to move across the store and potentially do the same hours or with less flex if you're unable to yeah yeah certainly i certainly agree with that so we we talk a lot about retail because that's what we're brought up on uh, that's where we we love being and walking around stores with people and just talking it it's the, the bit that gets out of bed but if we take ourselves out of retail can you think of kind of any other environments where they there's good examples of how they've really used flexibility or historically it's just been in the dna of how that that operation or organization works yeah so I, I think we were talking offline before we started and I, I think we both we both sort of flagged up that healthcare is a, is a great example especially when we're looking at the you know looking at the hospitals where we have you know high degrees of, 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 of skill but massively fluctuating demand multiple you know fluctuating requirements for, for people to be on duty uh, and you know our healthcare teams have really embraced this, and they have done for many years with their on-call rosters, with with their their their, their shift patterns that are more that, that are, are built, you know, ideally to suit the requirements of the business, um, and their their ability to be able to deploy people very very quickly um, by using these 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 bank on-call on-call rosters. Um, and it, I think it's something I, we've certainly seen in the US in retail uh, over there that they have these that, that it's this building idea of the on-call shift. Yet to see it very much in in the UK, and I think that that could have uh, it could have quite an impact. Yeah, and I think that there's examples in the fire service as well where they've got kind of retained, which pretty much plays to the on-call piece. But also, again, they really struggle as do all the kind of core emergency services with demand how can you predict how many fires you're going to get well you can look back at history but is that a good indication of the future in that example because it's not it's not relative to an event or a a date or a bank holiday it's relative to well 
random occurring events in some in some in some uh, instances. So, yeah, I think they their base is set up. Maybe that means that potentially at times they're overstaffed, but that's a consequence of unpredictable or volatile demand. But that's right, and it, it's you know, and I think a lot of the time you've got to ask yourself that hard. You, you know, you got you got to ask yourself those hard questions. What is the service level that we aspire to? And, and can I create a schedule that's going to guarantee me that service level? Uh, I mean, if, if we look at, you know, again, we, we dip back into retail, we have the, you know, the very high end of the market, the, the Hermes shop at, at Charles de Gaulle, de Gaulle Airport that does, you know, zero business for six hours during the day and then 25,000 euros in 15 minutes. You still have to stuff it. If there's no one there to do the service, you don't make a sale. It, you know, if, if we look at, uh, the, the, the big box supermarket with it with, with its its slightly more predictable demand, but we we, we watch the, the the replenishment software guaranteeing that the bananas never run out. Well, they won't run out as long as you've got somebody there to refill them, uh, and uh, and that's a you know that that's a cost of doing business. Yeah, and it takes us back to the kind of counter proposition in those supermarkets as well. If it takes you an hour in the morning to set up the fish counter with the ice and an hour to clear down. And then you sell little fish, but you need the fishmonger to be stood there all day. There's a big overhead and cost of doing business and potentially big waste implications as well. Yeah. But in the same respect, if that's your brand and that's the service level that you aspire to, you build that into your business model. Yeah. Yeah. That's just the cost of doing business, right? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So those are kind of the things that were, were on my mind, which has been it's been good to play out and discuss. So kind of defining the flexibility word or making it less scary for colleagues thinking out outside of retail and we've we've not even touched on kind of manufacturing supply chain where they've historically worked on kind of maybe two or three shift patterns so a shift comes on the shift goes off and there's a an overlap in the middle completely different way of working uh, and annualized hours which really isn't a particular thing in retail so where you'll give me i don't know two thousand hours a year and call them off as, as and when is much more prevalent so may maybe we see some of that moving forward yeah certainly we also i'm I, i'm starting to see the resurgence of the annualized hours um I'm, I'm probably old enough to remember uh back in the in, in into the into the mists of the 80s when when annualized hours started to gain popularity and it's back we're starting to see retailers we're working with a with our hospitality um, company in the uk now whose entire staff base is on annualized hours because that allows them to trade throughout the year with staff earning a guaranteed sum of money but in the down times they're doing 20 hours a week in their up times they're doing 45 50 um central europe of course france france particularly very hot on annualized hours and they call it modulation in france uh but quite prevalent there again it's and it's finding a software provider that can that can can handle that and and because it's there's a level of complexity in annualized hours that you well know you know the shifting value of a day as as the hours are consumed or not as the case may be and understanding you know that you, you know you get your annualized hours wrong and the last two months of the year are all at premium pay because everybody's on overtime because you've burnt your hours and it's it's important you know to make sure that you've got a software provider that can support you and and and, and you know expose that data to you as it's happening 
Yeah, and I think that I think that's the bit that scares retailers, isn't it? Of I've gone too early and used all the hours. What do I do? Or I enter the last month of the year and people physically can't work the hours they've got left to use, but I've still got to pay them for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a piece that we've we've done a lot of work on around the, the annualized hours piece. And of course, within that annualized hours piece, we, we you know we have the the, the whole sort of uh, the. The, the minimum wage, the working time, working time regulations that are also in in and out of themselves are actually a, a, an annualised sum. And again, it's something that Rotor Geek that we're we're embracing with and, and working hard towards making sure that that we can support our customers with that, and and being able to predict where those hours hours are going to be needed as well is is absolutely key. Um, and our forecasting and auto scheduling algorithms are are constantly being tweaked with each each change of legislation and you know coming out of covid what's post-covid looking like what are we going to do with two years of data that really doesn't really have a great deal of meaning to our businesses going forward so yeah it's it tricky it's, it's tricky, tricky it's challenging it? but it's fun though yeah yeah no, absolutely that's what it what it's what keeps the uh the gray matter working isn't it it's solving problems that's uh that's some of the thing i think we all enjoy in this industry it's about the system surface problems to a degree because it shows you how closely or not you match or what data gaps you've got and then you've got to solve that problem so what what other things are you guys at road to Geek looking at the moment where's the the research and development effort going so we're, we are we're continuing to work very very hard on our auto scheduling algorithms uh, and especially you know we talk about about the gen Zs and the the, the modern workforce and it, uh, and making sure that that our you know our algorithms and our our scheduling rules are robust enough to be able to 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 program in and and monitor that how many evenings a week are we working how many weekends you know how many Sundays and throughout a given period, and actually being able to, you know, to lay down a schedule. In some cases, we have customers that that, that want to lay down a schedule for the next fifty-two weeks, and then try, then trim it, and constantly train that out through sort of four, five, six weeks ahead to make sure that, that you know that it's equitable. I think is is the word rather than fair. You know that everybody's being treated in the same way, and the right people are at the right place. And we're making sure they've got the right attitude because they want to, you know, because we're not breaking our promises to our staff by dragging them in and constantly changing their schedules and giving people an idea of some level of permanence in, in what is a very rapidly shifting environment. Um, and again, working with our forecasting. So that's really where we're spending our, you know, our time. It's, you know, Rotogeek is a scheduling platform first. We're all about making sure that that we have the right schedule that suits the shape the business needs to be in going forward. So that's, yeah, that's where we spend our time. So people very, very busy on all those kind of smart techie things, but at the front end, it should make users' lives easier. It should make the the plan that you're scheduling against so the shape of demand and the demand more accurate, which ultimately can only be a benefit for the kind of tight utilization of that resource from a process point of view and then a customer service point of view. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you know, the software has to be a pleasure to use at the front end. You know, when our colleagues are picking their phone up to, to look, to look at the app, to interact with the software, that it's as simple as simple can be. You know, it's, it requires the minimum amount of training. You know, I want to be able to interact with my workforce management tool the same way as I do with Amazon. I don't want I don't want an instruction book 
I want it to do, I want it to do it instinctively, and I want it to do it simply. So it's hiding all of that that complexity, and it's better, you know, behind what is really a very simple user interface. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. And just to close then, Mark, if people want to find out more or have a chat with you about Rotogeek, where's the best place for them to find you? Rotogeek.com. Uh, look, us up on the web. Uh, have a look at our website. Um, as you know, my name is Mark Thomas. You'll find you'll find my email address floating around there, and and just reach out to us, and we'll we'll be more than happy to to to, to chat, talk it through with you, and uh, see what we can do to help. Brilliant. Appreciate your time, Mark. Just reflecting on the the webinar that we did, and say we'll put the link to the the YouTube broadcast in the notes, so people can get into the detail, and hopefully it it kind of sparks some conversation or thought internally for them to think about flexibility, how they're deploying and kind of really take advantage of those opportunities as we're all facing a world where cost is increasing of the things we buy and the colleagues we employ. Yep, absolutely. Thank you very much, Sam. Thanks for the opportunity to have a chat and I look forward to catching up with you in a couple of months time, I have. Yep, face to face. Catch you soon. Take care. Thanks, Simon. Bye-bye.